Welcome back to the Internet Computer Report. Today we have a very special guest, Max Chamberlain from Infinity Swap. So the last episode we did, uh, we talked about token standards. So Max has been, you know, uh, able to come on our show and chat about token standards with us. So we're really stoked on that. So uh, I guess let's kick it off. Uh, Max, want to give us a little background on yourself? Um, hey guys, yeah, sure. Great to be here, uh, Max, CEO of Infinity Swap. Uh, we are a, a platform to create, stake, and swap tokens on the internet computer. Uh, we've recently expanded our team, so we've got a number of devs helping us build the future of DeFi on the internet computer, and that includes token standards, our AMM, and, and other features as well. So, you know, really excited to be here with you guys on the IC report because, you know, you're doing a lot of uh, interesting podcasts and and uh, yeah, just you know, privileged to be one of the guests. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Max. Um, so to some of the topics we wanted to cover today, uh, the mainly was ICP20 or, or the token standards that people are working on that are similar to Ethereum. Our last podcast was about the struggles of building a token standard in such, such a different architecture in a different community. Um, mm -hmm. So you're one of the leaders of that. We had trouble getting feedback from others. And I think you're maybe the furthest ahead in your roadmap for building like a, a, a comprehensive standard. So we're going to, I think we're going to start this podcast talking about your standard. And then towards the end, it's going to veer off into all the things you could do with that, like the AMM architecture, bridges, um, e, like EVM on the IC. And for those watching on YouTube, uh, since there's going to be a lot of topics, it, there's, there'll be timestamps marked with, with what we cover uh, for those who are interested. So why don't you start it off and start telling us about the token standard that Infinity Swap came to, came to realize is important and, and what kind of progress has been made? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the first thing to do is um, we had a look at the different ways of implementing token standards on the IC. So um, there are already some precedents for how things have been built. We have the ledger canister on the internet computer. We have ERC-20 on Ethereum. And it was really for us just understanding what some of the key challenges were on the IC and how, uh, how best we could adapt to some of those existing paradigms for uh, developing a token. So you know, the key questions on the IC um, you know, that make it different from Ethereum, um, one, we have the reverse gas model. So that means that instead of the blockchain subsidizing the storage or, you know, once you've submitted a transaction, that's not the case on the IC. And as users are using or updating a canister, cycles are being drained from that canister. And eventually you could reach a point where um, it has so few, so, so few cycles that it drops off. So a key question is, how do you actually in a decentralized manner ensure that the canister has enough cycles um, while still also retaining the, the ergonomy and making it simple for people to transact their, their tokens. Uh, so that's one. Um, the second question concerns um, atomicity. So this is the whole idea that on Ethereum, you can run a set of transactions and they'll execute within a block of code at once or not. And for us, it really kind of connects into the broader uh, design pattern that we've been using for our AMM. Um, 
how exactly can we have the token standard working with the AMM in such a way that you know, things are executing atomically and we don't have to revert state every time a token transfer fails. Uh, so that's, you know, you could say you, you send a, a token to the AMM um, and it, it requires two tokens, like you're depositing liquidity, for instance. Um, one of those fails, how do you clean up the state? You know, this is like a, a really general question, which a lot of DeFi builders are going to have to look at and think about when they're, when they're building. Um, then there are other questions as well, uh, like uh, around tr transaction storage. You know, what is the best model to store transactions within a, a token on, on the internet computer? And so we have some thoughts there. Um, there's even extra infrastructure around that you need, maybe not intrinsic to the token standard, but extrinsically around uh, just monitoring and making sure that uh, you know, the, the cycles uh, are, are kind of you know, all in check when you, when you launch a token. Um, so I think those are a, a few of, of some of the key questions that you want. And then uh, you know, maybe the, another set of issues is that, okay, on Ethereum, uh, the typical pat pattern in DeFi is you use like a transfer from method so that some other contract can move funds or balances around for you. Uh, whereas on the internet computer, it's done differently. They use a transfer and a notify pattern with a callback to whatever canister is, is actually using, um, is using a, whichever call, whichever canister you want to update that you've, you've sent your tokens to it. Um, so yeah, really broad swathe of questions and <laughs> that's not even to, to discuss. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that one's going to be a cut. <laughs> I, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ho hope that we can stick to, I, I think we should stick to the, the first two that you mentioned. So it was, yeah, it was no spam and uh, uh, atomicity. So, the, it, uh, and then the rest kind of got over our heads. So we'll stick to right. those two. Cause I know those are big, um, starting with like no, no spam or figuring out how to maintain a, a cycles balance at all times and prevent DDoS attacks. So what are the, the proposals out there and, and what do you think is the way? Well, I think one of the key features is you've still got to retain transaction fees. If a token is completely free to use, then people can spam it and repeatedly use it. So you've got to implement fees in some way or another. You, you could implement timeouts and everything, but that's getting a bit more complicated. So the question is, how do you really implement those fees? we don't really want to take people's cycles um, when they, because someone who wants to transfer a token may not have cycles in their wallet. They may not have ICP. They might have a token. Um, the best thing to do is take a, a, a transaction fee denominated in the token that you're, you're transferring. Um, and then also maybe putting in place some safeguards. So one of the safeguards that we put in place is that um, the way the IC works is before a message is actually processed in a particular canister, um, there's this sort of like pre-processing step where you get metadata about the message uh, that is being processed. And that pre-processing step doesn't actually cost any gas or sorry, any cycles to run. So if the canister has gone below a threshold limit, uh, what we do is we check that you know, we, you know, we would require like a top up in cycles to that canister um, to prevent it from being drained any further. Um, 
which still ensures the liveness, but it's just like an extra safeguard we have in place to make sure that, uh, you know, even if the cycles do get drained, it's still going to be topped up. Now, the, if we're not paying the, the, the token canister in cycles, then the question is, how are we ensuring that the, the canisters are sufficiently topped up in cycles? Um, so in the shorter term, what we're doing is we're just managing those cycles ourselves here at Infinity Swap, and we're making sure that we've got all the monitoring in place to make sure that even if the balance does get depleted, we will top it up. But later down the line, we want to replace that with like a kind of decentralized marketplace um, that accrues the fees of the token and allows people to top up the canister in a, in a decentralized way. But you know, in return, they will get a portion of the token fees from all the transfers for doing so. So that's that's essentially the design pattern that we're using. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. So the fees will be like for tokens made, if I have this right, if tokens made with your standard will be in the token itself. And yeah. then people will tra essentially trade cycles um, for the tokens that are collected in fees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. And from, from a user experience level, is this like, it'll be a negligible transaction fee or? To, um... yeah, very small, very small transaction fee. Um, proportional um yeah so that's uh very very small much you know uh, small of an exchange but there, there has to be a fee in some way shape or form i think otherwise the canister is being subsidized and if it's being subsidized it's not decentralized you know mm. <laughs> okay <laughs> and uh, very cool yeah i i uh, i'm curious as to why we haven't seen much much of these happen yet is everyone thinking along the same lines and, and like, and what's the struggle with? Yeah, I think, I think a few people are thinking along the same lines. Um, it's, you know, so we have noticed some other kind of, some other, some other guys, I think uh, the fleek, at least the XTC token, it goes along similar lines. Um, the struggles I think really are, if you just have this from the get go, you know, you need a, a proper, proper way of topping this up and it's not, fully decentralized right at the beginning until you build this marketplace uh, in for your uh, you know your your token so maybe that's maybe that's one of the secrets on the ic that it's you know, people are managing these tokens and topping up and you're relying on charity and it's not at this point in time fully decentralized but it will be in the future okay yeah, yeah. uh very cool that's good to hear uh, I want to jump to atomicity. Uh, I know this is something you, like you specialized in. You worked on Ethereum sharding and made proposals there. Uh, how, okay, how do, how, how do you even begin to think about atomicity on the, the internet computer? And maybe define what it is uh, first. Yeah, so um, I made a, a few posts on the Ethereum public forums um, on their atomicity, and that got noticed by some of the top guys at at Ethereum, um, you know, and this is like part of a discussion that was playing out three years ago when Ethereum was coming up with the first set of designs for their sharding, uh, sharding system. And I can remember having chats with Justin Drake, um, which is like, you know, one of the key researchers in the Ethereum 2.0 sharding on exactly this issue. Um, it is, it's a very deep, question it's a very very deep question and the you know the thing is we need to um we 
you, we'd, we'd need to really, really, um, yeah, there's so many different angles and ways that we can actually attack that. There's so many different angles and ways we can attack this problem. So the question is, do we solve sharding, th this problem of cross-canister cross atomicity at, you know, sorry, at the, um, um, at the protocol level? Is this a job for DFINITY? You know, what are the issues um, when it, if you were to really implement this, you know, in a virtual machine, so that when you make an asynchronous call uh, to another canister, uh, you get the actual uh, response back. And, you know, it, it's, it's challenging because it will imply sort of using locks across canister. You, you, you know, if, you if you're trying to acquire resources from another canister, you, you really want a lock state. And like the question is at, at the lowest level of the virtual machine, it's, that's, that's quite challenging. It's gonna require quite a few um, adaptations to the, to the code base. And, you know, even then, you know, the, the rule other, you know, other kinds, it's like a hydra, you, you cut one head off, <laughs> a few other challenges that, that emerge, like how you, if you're locking things and locking state, how do you release those locks in this asynchronous environment? You know, it's, um, you know, using locks in, a, in an asynchronous uh, distributed environment can be very challenging, which is why the IC's current concurrency model uses message passing, because that's, you know, it's a well understood framework, but it makes it, you know, it, it really just shifts the burden of this, this sort of uh, cross chain. Um, if you want to do anything atomic cross chain onto the developer. Um, so what are the use cases of that? What are the use cases of um, cross-chain? Right now, um, you can't do flash loans, flash swaps uh, on the IC uh, because you don't have this, um, you, you're not able to like send tokens, wait to see if you execute some, uh, some transaction. Could be, you know, depositing the tokens in a, in a liquidity pool, uh, these borrowed tokens that you have, and then repaying that back. Every time you send that token, you've sent it for real. Like there's no, there's no waiting till for you to do anything and then send them back. It's just, you know, it's gone, in a sense. And so, you know, I mean, that kind of thing is really useful in AMMs because it really helps with um, price arbitrage and making sure that you know these AMMs come to like a sensible market, mid-market price. You know, you have huge funds at your disposable to move capital between different AMM pools, liquidity pools. Um, the kind of thing that it's also useful for is, uh, you know, you, you want it, you would essentially when you're, uh, when you're, um, you know, there's a lot of like liquidity aggregation that goes on, on, on top of Ethereum. So if you're trying to, if you're using something like a service like Transact, where you're trying to get the best price uh, for a particular token, you know, it might split your order up and route them to various different liquidity pools. And the fact that that all happens atomically in a single transaction is really useful because it means like if any of the single routes to a liquidity pool fail, you know, you don't have to, um, you know, it's not going to make it more difficult to readjust and recalculate exactly what you need to buy elsewhere on the other pools. And, it just really simplifies the whole development process. So yeah, that's just that's just me like motivating um, why why atomicity can have some uses. Um, 
Now, even further, you know, you could take this even further and think um, some people have suggested running like an EVM on Definity. Uh, so having like an Ethereum virtual machine that runs, well, as we know, Ethereum is a, is a synchronous environment and, you know, Definity is an asynchronous environment. And that means that into canister calls, you know, each canister has its own thread of execution and you don't have to wait, uh, you know, um, you, you've got to wait for the canister to do stuff and then get the result back. So, you know, it, it poses a challenge um, in the sense that, you know, without that synchronicity, you can't, it's going to be, you can't really run like an Ethereum virtual machine on the IC. So you can't have like an L, L2 on the IC. And I think that's part of, part of some of the challenges that other people are working on in, in this space, like uh, again, Fleek, um, to see how they can, how they can create that an asynchronous Ethereum virtual machine within, uh, within Definity and within this async world. Um, what we're doing is kind of a bit simpler in, in the sense that, you know, we don't need to change the virtual machine to guarantee atomicity. The idea really comes down to, well, what if we just built atomicity directly into the token standard? And, you know, that is, that is possible. We've, we've come up with a paper like uh, describing exactly the mechanism that you would use to do that. And essentially it comes down to implementing a, a form of two-phase commit, uh, which means that whenever you make a transfer, that's kind of optimistic in a sense, like it hasn't actually happened yet. And you might have a series of several different transfers that you can make. It hasn't really happened, but it's kind of staged in part of the memory of the token. It's like a staging area for these changes. And you know, in the, in the very final phase, um, we commit all those changes if all of those transactions um, on these different atomic tokens have gone through successfully. Now, yeah, so it, it, it's essentially a two-phase commit protocol where we have replaced the coordinator in a traditional two-phase commit with, uh, with, a, with a canister that executes this function call and takes the place of the coordinator, but also, you know, runs these, these transactions and then commits them. This is part of a longer term research project that we're working on in Infinity Swap. So it's not really how we intend to uh, develop atomicity in the short term, but it's something there in the long term, which we think could be useful for developers. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, very cool. I, I always struggle to understand why it, it's so complicated to make, you know, the internet computer atomic if there's lots of sharded blockchains. You know, uh, um, but I, I, you want to jump in? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that's part of the beauty of the in internet commuter is also that it is asynchronous. Um, you know, that that's what gives you its scalability. You know, these sharded blockchains, they're not fully asynchronous. Um, you know, each shard may be synchronous, but across shards, you have the asynchronicity, right? Because they're, they're running on two different clocks, basically. They're running in two different timelines. Um, with the internet computer, they just said, hey, what if we just make every smart contract or every canister asynchronous, you know? <laughs> and I think that is, that is where it gets its huge scalability from. Uh, but, you know, it also means that it can't do everything that Ethereum can do as mm -hmm. well. So that's the trade-off. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, interesting. So each shard is itself asynchronous. That's yeah, between, between shards, it's more or less, a, you know, you know, they're, they're running independently. So they are asynchronous between themselves, but within a single shard, the, all the transactions are executed synchronously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. And uh, could you just tell us, maybe you could separate this into short and long-term or midterm, but what would, what would be your hope um, for, for how this pans out in the, in the next six months or whatever? Yeah. So in the next six months, um, you know, we, we built more of the um, more of those checks and balances on Atomicity into the actual AMM canister itself. And so ideally, you know, you'd just be able to, you know, use your infinity swap tokens sent to the AMM and, uh, you know, execute your trades without fear that, <laughs> you know, one of your transactions has failed and you're going to lose some tokens. Like that's not going to happen on infinity swap. So, you know, we want to, want to keep everyone secure. And I think, you know, in the longer term, when we develop this atomic token standard, it could be a useful tool for other developers who want to build, uh, a, you know, who want to build something with those safety and checks and guarantees in place, but, and don't want to have to worry about reverting state every time token transfers fails. So it's like, it's super useful for them. Um, and, you know, in the really long term, you know, I'm very curious to see where the foundation goes with their work on atomicity research and, you know, whether they build that directly into the, you know, into um, the virtual machine, the WASM virtual machine, WebAssembly, in, into WebAssembly itself, how they hack that, how they, <laughs> how they give that, us that native uh, yeah, use of, um, you know, atomic transactions could be, yeah. could be super interesting. Yeah. Okay. I know so it does seem like you kind of separated um, separated the two categories. It'd be like token standards that solve the problem within itself, and then if if like some magical solution comes out by the foundation that helps everyone. But what um, what happens when there's multiple token standards? Like like if there's six months from now and five people <laughs> make an atomic token standard, what is interoperability even just within the ecosystem going to look like? <laughs> that is a minefield of a question, isn't it? <laughs> is there reason to be hopeful? Yeah, or does it have to be one winning token standard, just like it was on, on Ethereum? Um. Yeah. So I think that yeah, I think it does have to be a few, like a handful of token standards that the community really gravitates towards. And it's really interesting to see what will drive that. I think you know, solid projects with solid use cases, you know, people are going to use their token standards and it's going to make it difficult to, uh, to integrate um, other token standards into wallets and other projects, et cetera. And, you know, um, really with the kind of complexity and the checks that need to be put in place, I can understand why um, the foundation kind of wanted developers to explore, but you know, it feels like this is a job for the foundation, you know, to just say, hey, this is the token standard, use it. <laughs> you know, it would make every, every developer's life easier if they just had that. It would be so much easier for them to actually get started and, and working with each other. And, you know, in a way, the token standard is the bridge between communities, right? It's like it's the way that one project speaks to another project through that transfer of tokens. So, 
it's so fundamental. You know, we we really need, I think, um, some authority from on high telling us, guys, this is what you're using. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing that's holding back, you know, DeFi and Definity. We're, you know, we're seeing a very vibrant NFT ecosystem because it seems like Entrepot is, you know, developed their own NFT standard. And that's just, you know, what's the de facto standard now in the system. But uh, how far away do you see, you know, a standard actually coming about? Like in what sort of time frame? I, it's a good question. Uh, no idea. I mean, because, you know, even the SNF, we've got the Ledger canister, which is using its own standard. I know that on the forums they were talking about the Bitcoin integration and whether the ICE, whether the you know the Definity Foundation should create their own token standards specifically for Bitcoin, whether that should look like the Ledger canister. Um, we have a bunch of other projects like DLand, Fleek, Infinity Swap. We've been working on their own token standards, um, which have a few differences between them, and you know. Um, I think ultimately it doesn't matter. We just need, we just need one. <laughs> yeah. I, we, I don't know when, I don't know when, because I mean, even the SNS, right. Should have probably have a token standard. So we've already got so many different token standards. Now what, you know, who's going to say which one. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps the market will just let the, perhaps the market will decide. So, you know, everybody will unleash their own token standards and then slowly they're all congregate back to one, you know, whoever is the, the main winner there and everyone will have be. to adapt. It could well be. And what that looks like, you know, it could be, I think it would be driven by application usage, you know, um, but it may not be that. It may not be. The thing is, I think it could to some degree be fragmented because if we've got like a bunch of great applications and they're all using different standards, like has the market really decided? <laughs> yeah. You know? I don't know. Okay. So as a, as a community, we all have to get together. We need the the foundation to also get involved and we need to really you know to sure, yeah. get out and give that down yeah nice. I mean, maybe maybe the reason they haven't really said this is the standard is because there's so many design decisions you can make with that um you know we've already talked about the reverse gas model okay it doesn't have to be that way you can make people pay up front in cycles whenever they transfer so you could go back to ethereum if you wanted to um you know um the question of storage and how you offload storage is another decision whether that should be in the canister or you know exactly what that that looks like um using transfer from as they use in ethereum uh for, or or using notify which they use in the ledger to to let people know that you've paid some external third party uh can canister you know that things have been done in a lot of different ways and you know i can understand why uh the foundation use like for instance notify and transfer from rather than uh sorry notify and transfer rather than approve and transfer from like they use on ethereum and maybe that's partly again the the asynchronous nature of the ic lends itself better to uh the notify uh pattern but you know it's like there's so many decisions you can make and i think uh part of this has been an experiment to see well what what do people think is really the most useful way of doing things but at the end of the day, maybe that's not that important. And what is most important is just that we have something that we can use. Okay, very cool. Yeah, I guess uh, we can hop on to chat about a little bit of architecture and uh, AMM architecture. Yeah. Okay. Well, may maybe talk about how it will fit in with yours. So you have, I, I know you got the foundation grant to pursue this uh, atom atomicity problem. 
Uh, I, I thought you were the only one. So like, you're definitely in the know of what's going on with that, but it's also ties in well to the, to the AMM design. So I talk about uh, just a bit of what separates um, yours and then how you hope that it would be used in the context of, of your AMM. Yeah. So what separates our atomicity designs? We've got two, actually, we've got two, a shorter term, longer term. Um, in the longer term, what it is, is it's like a reusable framework, which lots of developers could use to build at- atomicity into their contracts and not have to think about implementing it within their contract. Uh, like, you know, so in stage one, we're actually building the atomicity into the AMM. Um, and if you think every developer that has to be concerned with this and reverting state is going to have to implement some form of atomicity into their into their contracts so that that is a bit of a pain you know you think well why do they have to do that if it were inbuilt into a token standard or if it were inbuilt at the virtual machine level they wouldn't have to re- re- reinvent the wheel every time and take extra care and extra precautions when they're building their AMM or their lending pool or whatever else it is. So, yeah, I think that's that was part of the justification justification for why we got the grant. Um, but I know for, for a fact that what Definity has, you know, they, they've got their own team researching atomicity at the, the virtual machine level. Uh, so that's like a research project they're interested in. We've also seen what's going on with, e, you know, the e um, you know, if we wanted to port the Ethereum virtual machine over to Definity, we would have to also then implement that at the virtual machine level to have smart contracts being forked over. But, you know, at a very basic level, you know, what our, our token standard does is it helps developers um, who, who want to build projects and who, you know, can't, and for, for whom it's more difficult to because, you know, they have to, uh, revert state every time a token transfer fails. How, um, and so in the short-term version, how would it um, be used in, in Infinity Swap? So, so yeah. someone could make their own token, then they have a DeFi hub that all the yeah. features are like automatically plug in? Um, essentially, what it came down to, so RAMM is based on Uniswap uh, V1, V2, sorry. Um, and, you know, uh, so what we, we kind of did was we built an internal token representation into the AMM. Um, and so the first step is before you use the AMM, you transfer your tokens into the AMM, to, to the AMM, it's a contract principle. Uh, once you've done that, it basically mints for you uh, a new token, which is internal to the canister. And through that, we can now kind of just replicate, simul- simulate uh, token transfers, but as if they were synchronous because they're now in the contract code in the canisters contract code. So they're now synchronous, almost. There's, a, there's another caveat here. They're synchronous to a degree. <laughs> they're synchronous in the sense that as long as you don't call any other asynchronous function within the body of your code, everything executes along one thread. But if you were to make another asynchronous call somewhere in the middle, the state of your canister could actually change because when it does that, it kind of, it's saying, you know, I'm gonna, it's sort of, it's a bit difficult to explain, but it's like, um, 
I guess it's like chopping up um, a cake <laughs> into pieces, right? Now you imagine you've, you've taken a bit bite out of the first cake, a slice of the cake, and then move on to the next slice and the next slice. Now, maybe you've called an asynchronous function and that's like going away from the table. You come back and you look at the cake and the pieces and you realize it's not just a bite that's gone out of the first slice, the whole slice is gone. <laughs> that's it. So, you know, what, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, if you, if you think that your state in the canister is such and you make an asynchronous call, when you come back and when the canister starts executing after that asynchronous call, you have to check the initial state, state again because it could have changed. You know, because once you do that, any other operations could execute on the canister and you have no guarantee as to what the actual state state is uh, initially. So there are all these caveats that come to, with building this. And, you know, we feel like our token standard would really help with that in the longer term. Uh, but, you know, due to the pressures of building an AMM initially, we haven't decided to actually, you know, build the full atomic token standard right at, at this beginning and rather just to focus on the AMM. But I can see that there would be a lot of challenges uh, that developers would have in really understanding whether their, their um, you know, their, their, their contracts, their canisters are actually secure because, you know, you, you have to really understand that whenever you make an asynchronous call, state changes and, you know, you, you may wind up with something different from what you, you, you thought you had. Yeah, so that's that's like that's a challenge, but I'm not sure how. how yeah, I would I, not want to be you. <laughs> we're okay. We're all right. We're we're doing a lot of thinking, uh, but you know, I feel like you know maybe smaller teams might have a bit of a a challenge with that. To be honest, how many are you guys now? Uh, we're at least uh, ten developers building out stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to, I would like to jump to one of the more exciting pieces of infinity swap, um, bridges. I, I know you guys are like working on bridges and interoperability stuff. I don't know, know much about it. Could, could you fill us in on, uh, what some of the goals are there and, and how you're doing it? Yeah. So, um, right now we've been working on, um, kind of like using repurposing chain link. Uh, which provides one with a set of oracles um, to basically build a bridge from Ethereum kind of chains to definite to Definity. Yeah. So the idea would be like you could you could lock up tokens, you could send them over through the bridge, and you know they would then appear within our token. You know, you know within the Infinity Swap token. So you're talking about wrapping like any ERC-20? Exactly. Wrapping any ERC-20 or, you know, on Ethereum or Polygon or Binance Smart Chain or what have you. Yeah. That's, that's pretty crazy. Uh, <laughs> how far away are we looking, looking for that? Uh, it, it's in our goals for like maybe quarter one. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a longer term goal. I can't. Uh, but uh, we can definitely, we've, we've been making progress and we've got an MVP up and ready. But the question is like, what do we actually want to deploy on and support? So if there's like a really big use case and somebody wants like, you know, really desperately wants Polygon or so forth, we could definitely get that out a lot, a lot sooner 
depending on the partnership because we've got the technology ready but it's more about like you know what do we support big moves there so you so you so could you just to explain one more time so you'd be wrapping ethereum and bringing it onto the internet computer onto icp that's right now where would the custody lie uh for the eth uh in, in this in this case so that would be a smart contract which custodies uh, the ETH or whatever token. Um, when you send uh, to 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 us, you're gonna it would that would emit an event on the Ethereum blockchain, and that event gets parsed um, by nodes that which are running kind of decentralized uh, within Chainlink. So we have Chainlink operators that are parsing this and reading this in. Uh, they then sign that they've seen this event occur. And we aggregate those signatures and post them on, on onto Definity. So that's how. And then once we have those aggregate signatures, we can then mint new tokens, on um, on Definity. Okay. So so the 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 existential risks there are limited, in the fact that it's all done by you know oracles and through. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And and smart yeah. contracts. Good. Very exciting. Why don't you give us some sneak peeks on, on what's coming next? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited for the, the Bitcoin chain key integration. So, you know, Infinity Swap will be one of the first AMMs to launch on the IC. There will be a few others, but the market is so big uh, when we think about that Bitcoin integration, you know, and just having Bitcoin that previously had been lying around, not being used by anyone, now making a return, now powering AMMs. You know, that is, I think, a really big thing. We have a number of uh, projects kind of we're working on incognito. So uh, unfortunately, I can't divulge everything. But, you know, we, we have, as I say, we've worked really hard on this AMM, getting the, the structure out, and we'll definitely be one of the, the first to go and onboard that Bitcoin when chain key becomes available. Yeah, that, that's exciting because there's so much uh, liquidity locked in, you know, BTC and it's just sitting there. But like uh, for like a Bitcoin, like, a, you know, Bitcoin maximalists, though, they have like this ethos that, you know, they, they don't really trust a lot of these DeFi things. What kind of guarantees do you have? And, and what would the experience be like? So say I have one Bitcoin, you know, I want to now put it to work. I want to put it to DeFi. How would it work with Infinity Swap and the ICP? Can you, can you walk us through the process? Yeah, so I mean... You're going to send your Bitcoin to an address, a smart contract address, right? This smart, this this address is actually controlled by a canister on the IC, um, except it's not. So the, the canister, once the canister has that address, and there's a bit of a um, bit of details involved in terms of, um, you know, having one uh, of those, those those hierarchical keys. So hierarchical keys. So it's not actually a key for the, the whole network, but it's uh, the whole uh, canister. It's a key, a hierarchical key, which uh, refers to um, a particular node that's running or a particular canister that's running on a subnet. Um, so yeah, so you have a path to that canister. That canister will then mint you uh, some Bitcoin on the IC. And then that minted Bitcoin goes into uh, Infinity Swap AMM uh, to generate a return. Um, so it's gonna be a wrap. It's gonna be like a wrapped Bitcoin, basically. Yeah, it will be a wrapped Bitcoin that appears okay. in the Infinity Swap AMM. But from the user perspective, right, it's just as simple as like sending Bitcoin to a wallet, and that's it. Wallet address. 
That's okay. all we have to think about. You know, it's super simple. You just, here's the wallet address. You send to it. Now you can make money, uh, make return on your Bitcoin uh, through our AMM pool. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm definitely excited for more, uh, you know, uh, you know, different features and stuff because, you know, I actively use DeFi and I remember one time I had sent uh, a fraction of the Bitcoin through uh, Ren, uh, Ren and actually my Bitcoin got stuck over there. It's a decentralized service. And I asked, and then I, I ended it in the, the money just didn't come through. So I actually had to speak to somebody and they actually had to process it from their own self. So, you know, decentralized finance and, you know, currently it is, exists. I actually needed a somebody to click the button to send it through. So <laughs> that was pretty. That was a, that was a that was a not so good decentralized financial experience. So it definitely, we definitely need to you know work on making it better. Uh, and even with the Badger DAO hack that we saw the other day, hundred million dollars lost. Uh, yeah, there's some crazy stuff. So we definitely need some better uh, primitives there. Now, yeah, I mean, I and think about how how many steps Andrew did you have to go through to to transfer into Ren. And then maybe get the Bitcoin into a wrapped BTC staking pool. And what were the th fees like on Ethereum? The know? fees were the fees were crazy. That's why I'm so excited with uh, you know with you know with the with you know with, with Affinity. Um, but though the worst part was the fact that I actually had to contact the administrative team at you know at Rent to say, hey, can you guys push this through for me? For some reason, the the valid the node didn't recognize my transaction and never sent me over the funds. So you know, obviously these are problems that happen. You know you know, with, you know, with crypto and, you know, it's still very early, but, uh, you know, it's good that we have other. Yeah. Projects I mean, in, like the way I'm seeing it, like, we know there's so many Bitcoin, uh, influencers out there, people on Twitter, shilling Bitcoin maxis, you know, huge followings. And now all of a sudden, you know, they can enter DeFi in a decentralized way and they don't have to hold any Ethereum. They don't have to hold any, Amanda, they don't have to hold anything, right? Because of the reverse gas model that the IC has. There's going to be nothing short of a revolution in terms of, uh, you know, getting, getting Bitcoin maxis into DeFi. But I just think that the pitch has to be right to them. You know, make, put Bitcoin first. You know, let the IC be humble. Let's just put Bitcoin first. This is like an addition that's really supporting Bitcoin. And then we're going to win them over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the ethos of the Bitcoin Max is they just want to hold their own keys. They want to have their assets now with the contract. So if, when I send my Bitcoin over to a contract, uh, is there any admin keys that somebody could, you know, is there any like backups with it or there is none? Nobody no, no, has no, any none. no backup keys, nothing. That's Absolutely huge. Either. Yeah. So that smart contract is just going to work as is. You send the thing, it shoots you out another asset and there's no worry about any hacks or anything like that because it's just uh, anything. So, yeah. The, the beauty of chain key, right, is they, they've created a way um, to shard a Bitcoin key privately, but they also have a protocol which enables people to, with, to get in and out of the protocol, get in and out of that. So if you've got like all these node providers uh, owning a shard of your Bitcoin key, there's no backup. They've got like a small piece of it, not enough to control it. You, you need like a half or a third of all the node providers, I can't remember which mm -hmm. to control the Bitcoin, but you know, just one guy, I can't do anything with that. And the beauty of the protocol is, you know, and I think this is something that has never been done before, the internet computer. Uh, if somebody wants to come in and out of that protocol, right, um, they can. So you can have, you can replace node providers, you can replace node operators. 
before that before this you would have somebody who has like a a shard of the key and they'd have that forever you know and there's no and there wasn't really a way of bringing on new people mm. refreshing the group's secret keys that's and great so there's no real way for collusion for people to band no together because it's always constantly changing it's constantly changing it's adaptive so yeah. as you know as time goes by you can't just corrupt more and more people because they can be kicked out they'll be booted out of the protocol you know mm -hmm. and so it really is everything that you need in like a like a, a decentralized blockchain you know but just bringing that to bitcoin um uh you know in a way that allows allows people to control and sign allows canisters to control and sign a bitcoin key in a decentralized fashion mm -hmm. and and have that adaptive as well is is yeah is is, is kind of miraculous beautiful very yeah. very beautiful. Really, yeah. I'm so excited about that yeah. yeah the um so like the DeFi space at large you want let's let's hear a little bit of your thoughts on that so i i feel like the ic is lagging behind but i think it's more of a roadmap issue so like the DeFi is well developed on these other blockchains and now Maybe is it is it this Bitcoin um, integration? Maybe the ETH interoperability that that's going to get an edge. What do you see DeFi moving towards, or what chains, uh, and yeah, what do you think it looks like? Yeah, I mean, definitely the IC is going to suck liquidity from Bitcoin from Ethereum. I feel like Bitcoin is the really revolutionary use case here. You know, so my money is more on the Bitcoin side. If it grows over time, you know. Um, now, there's an immediate market with the Ethereum chains and having lots of L2s, L2, you know, Polygon, having uh, so many, all the ZK Stark based L2s. And that really, that emerged from the, this, this Ethereum community, the, like very close knit group of researchers and academics on the forums who were building this stuff out. You know, it's not, they all know each other. And so there's, you know, and they, they were all building this extra capability on top of Ethereum. And that happened ages ago. So, okay, the, you know, internet computer is doing that now. And with the chain key, it makes the integration even more seamless. But the real use case that I'm excited about has to be on the Bitcoin side, because that's completely uncharted, completely unexplored. It's like virgin territory that the internet computer is stepping into. And it's huge. It's the biggest coin. <laughs> in you know in existence and it may be the case that you know there are fewer builders you know it's it, there are fewer like projects um on bitcoin and ethereum maybe has a lion's share so maybe that explains the decision or you know the the interest in the ethereum side. i mean ethereum is also big um you know and it may be that the big bitcoin holders are large funds now and they may be harder to to approach to to invest into, uh, you know, into, into DeFi or projects. But I'm still, I mean, I'm excited for the Bitcoin side. That's just me personally. That's it, I, I might have uh, interpreted it wrong, but were you like suggesting maybe what layer twos did for ETH, this Bitcoin integration is doing to Bitcoin? Like it's the first. Absolutely. Yeah. But more, even more. Because more. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. More because yeah, it's, no, it's no, long overdue. Overdue. You know, you know, if if I think they could change the narrative and just be like, you know, well, you could build Bitcoin smart contracts now, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with how you phrased it more. Let's not make it about the internet computer. This is about Bitcoin. Smart contracts. Yeah. <laughs> Powered by the internet computer, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think, would get so much adoption. That would be my marketing um, you know, message. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, really great. Excited for all this stuff. Yeah, big time. What, what, are, what are you guys most excited about? In the, you know, in, in the internet computer space, like technology-wise, we love we love NFTs. Always, you know, you know, they're creating a whole art movement. Identity, identity is a big factor. We're really interested in um, kind of just basically the mixture of everything, right? You have identity I, with DeFi. We can make it better. Like everybody always says, like, oh, DeFi is done. And I had a conversation with somebody like a year ago about it, and I said, I think D, you know, Definity could really be, you know, the platform for DeFi, just because there are so many. You know, issues. I think people who don't use DeFi on a daily basis might say, oh, it's, you know, it's great, whatever. They just invest in the token. But if you're using it daily, there's definitely things we can work on. And that's what I love what you're doing. Um, and mixing everything together because you're also missing a, you're mixing a social aspect with it, you know, with Infinity Swap. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and yourself? Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I think my, I've nailed my colors to the mask. <laughs> definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. definitely the the chain key uh chain key integrations yeah yeah Evan? yeah I, I mean i'm good I'm, I'm really excited about governance but that's more of a long-term thing uh, and like the governance is the centralized governance is pretty centralized nns um but for what comes into apps i think that'll be a new era of how we view how the internet in general could you know, have its rules changed and governed. First governance, we need to get the token standard up going, though. We got to get. Yeah, it. no, yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. We need the token. That's standard. the first use, uh, use uh, case. Yeah, of I'm, the I'm thinking like long term, but yeah, you're yeah. right. Identity <laughs> and interoperability; yeah, those yeah. are all very. No, 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 no. Uh, there's nothing not to be excited yeah. about. <laughs> cool. Nice. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Anything you want to add before we before we split? Yeah. Make make sure to check out Infinity Swap. Get on the Twitter. Uh, we're going to be launching our airdrop soon. So, you know, if you if you want to get some of the Infinity Swap airdrop, make sure you, you know you check out the website, the Twitter, and the wallet app, which will be launching imminently as soon as the Google um, uh, market submission goes through. Exciting. All right. Very great. cool. We'll have all those links in the description, guys. Thanks uh, for coming on, Max. We really appreciate it. Always yeah, my chatting. pleasure, guys. Always great chatting with you too. Yeah. Take, take it easy, man. All right.